Yeah. And psychologically, I remember growing up (laughs) after a cross-country practice or being nervous, like before a cross-country race, my dad would ask me, well, do you believe in your training? And that forced me to think like, yes, I've, I, I do. And I've done everything I can. And I trust my coach or like, if I said no, then there's no confidence in that. So it's important to understand like why you're doing something so that you believe in your training and you have that confidence. Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Matchbox Podcast powered by Ignition Coach Co. I'm your host, Adam Saban, and today is the official kickoff episode for season two of the show. We took a little break at the end of the season to reset and revamp the show, but we're excited to be back in the studio and continue bringing all of you the training-related content you desire. Today, we'll be talking all about coach-athlete relationships. Speaking of coaching, as mentioned at the top of the show, this show is powered by Ignition Coach Co. So let's take a moment to hear from Ignition co-founder, Drew Dillman. I've never driven a rally car before, but I'd imagine there are a lot of similarities between racing rally cars and racing bikes. Both involve speed, skill, and suspense. But one big difference is the navigator. The navigator's job is to communicate with the driver what turns are coming up, the severity of those turns, and any obstacles to look out for on course. With the help of the navigator, the driver goes faster. As athletes, we too need a navigator. This is where the coach comes into the picture. Like the navigator, the coach helps guide the athlete along the right path. When it's all said and done, the coach helps the athlete go faster. To take the analogy one step further, I'd bet the best navigators are those who used to drive themselves. Because of their own experience behind the wheel, they're better equipped to help the driver. This is what Ignition Coach Co. is all about. All of our coaches are elite level racers, and that makes them better coaches. They know how to train, how to prep, how to win, how to lose, and how to stay focused through it all because they are in the midst of that pursuit right now. Here at Ignition Coach Co., we believe that coaching and racing go hand in hand, and it's our goal to fuse those two things together. We'd love to connect you with one of our coaches. Sign up for a free consultation today. Ignition Coach Co., Developing coaches, connecting athletes. This episode is also brought to you by Flow Formula, so don't forget to use discount code IgnitionPodcast when picking up your next order of endurance sports-specific formulated nutrition products at flowformulas.com today. Also, on behalf of all of us at Ignition Coach Co., we want to send some thoughts and prayers to Ben King and his family as they grieve the recent loss of their newborn daughter. We love you, Ben, and admire all the examples you've set for how to be a great steward for our sport and an even better father. As always, if you like what you hear, please share this with your friends and leave us a five-star review. And if you have any questions for the show, send those to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled The Matchbox Podcast or find us on Instagram and send us a DM. All right, let's get into it. All right, so today's topic, coach-athlete relationship. It's been a while since we've done the the Matchbox Podcast, but we're back at it. We're back in the studio. Um, We got me, Dizzle Dillman. Uh, you can follow me on the on the Instagrams at Dizzle underscore Dillman. Um, I don't know why I just plugged that, but I did. Uh, we got Kate, we got Caitlin Maddox, um, uh, one of our female coaches with Ignition Coach Co. Adam Saban you know who her, lost his uh, voice. You know her Instagram handle off no, the top of your head. I, 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 <laughs> I think it's 
I don't know my yeah, Instagram handle off the top of my head. It's coach.kmaddox. She is too. So She's got a coaching one and a personal one. That's legit. Mm. <laughs> and Adam Saban, who lost his voice, apparently breathing in a bunch of Arkansas dust. And uh, the one and only and least important Dylan Johnson, <laughs> who got last beat and, this weekend. Last and definitely also least Dylan Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> The last and least important, yes, <laughs> Dylan Johnson. Um, and so, yeah, today we're going to talk about coach-athlete relationship. Seems like a good time to talk about it. We're kind of closing out the 2022 season and starting to think about the 2023 season. So, uh, as everybody knows, January is like the huge influx of gym memberships and signing up for meal plans and signing up for coaching and diets and books and all that stuff. Um, that industry just explodes during that time with New Year's resolutions. And so this is timely um, because we're going to talk about why it's important to have a coach and how uh, how we at Ignition Coach Co. cultivate that relationship. Mm-hmm. So any other, any other thoughts or comments before we just jump right in? I, I think you did a good job, man. Let's start off with this as an icebreaker. <clears throat> Does anybody have any good or bad stories of a coaching experience they've had in the past? As like, an, if you got a funny one, a good one, anything. Um, I mean, I think that the no, like this is just general. This isn't a specific story, but I think mm. the. Did did you want a specific story? Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, come on. No, I'm just you can t- you can say what you're gonna say. Well, I was just I was just gonna say that like uh, I think generally the biggest complaint that people have with their coach is that their coach doesn't communicate enough with them. Yes, the black hole of communication. I agree with that. We talk about mm-hmm. that when we train our ignition coaches. That's actually we do a we do five training sessions. Five two-hour training sessions with all of our ignition coaches before we give them any athletes. And the very first session, the main topic is communication. That's how important we, we think it is. So that's a good that's a good thing to bring up. Sure. I have Drew, one. Drew, you got a funny story? Yeah, it's like funny, bad, good. I don't know. You can be the judge of it. But my coach, <laughs> when I was a junior, I had the same coach for a really long time. Um, and... There was a time when he was pitting for me in a cyclocross race and had had cyclocross is a fun sport and sometimes you can have a little too much fun and he had a little too much fun before working the UCI pits for me. Um, And so (laughs) it was a muddy race and I was doing really well. Uh, I was young. I think I was only like 19 or 20. So I was kind of having like somewhat of like a breakout ride, like I was top five in a UCI race, which is which was like the best I had ever done at that up to that point. But it was a muddy race, so we're pitting, we're switching bikes. And so he's he's like stoked that I'm in the top five. He's like washing my bikes. And I guess somebody took my bike because they thought he was taking too long with a power washer. And they took my bike and like threw it on the ground. This all happened while I'm racing. So I, this is only stories that I've heard. And he took the power washer and just straight blasted the dude, which is not okay. Um you wouldn't do that if you hadn't had too much fun. So, uh, so this guy got blasted in the face and, and it like actually like injured the guy. Uh, so my coach at the time is, was not allowed ever again, I don't think to go inside of a UCI pit. And when we talked about it that week, he said, well, at least, you know, I got your back. Uh, I'm not letting anybody mess up your race. <laughs> I was like, 
That's a good point. Um, but it was kind of funny, but yeah, not so funny at the time. Mm. Yeah, I don't have any crazy coach story like that. I'm going to be honest with you. What about like a, as a coach? What's the craziest thing that you've had a coach tell you to go do? I mean, more so I hear crazy things from other people saying that their coach told them to do something and I'm just shaking my head about. Can you think of any specific? Well, I, I mean, like I had a buddy who it was it was like the it was like three days before Shenandoah 100. And he was like, yeah, I'm a little sore today. Like my coach had me doing like plyometric gym work like yesterday. And I was like, why? Like what, dude? Like you have a hundred mile mountain bike race in two days. I, I totally feel like there's this unspoken of like blind trust that some people have for the coach. Like they won't even ask like, so why am I doing this? And their coach tells them to go do like, yeah, go do, go ride a hundred miles three days before a race. It'll just loosen you up. And they come up, it's just like a blind faith in their coach. It's like, they'll do whatever they say without asking questions. And I think. I'm the opposite. I think you should be able to question your coach and push back and say, hey, why am I doing this? And if they don't have a good reason, then maybe maybe look for another coach. Yeah, yeah. definitely. We I as think, coaches actually enjoy answering the why, but we rarely, I feel like we rarely get it from our athletes. But Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that even if your athlete doesn't ask you why, you should probably just tell them why, because if if they know the why, they're probably going to be more likely to do it as opposed to um you know they have they have no idea why they're doing something it it just it just seems less powerful to them than you know having a reason to do it if that makes sense yeah and psychologically i remember growing up after a cross country practice or being nervous like before a cross country race my dad would ask me well do you believe in your training and that forced me to think like yes i've I, I do and I've done everything I can and I trust my coach or like if I said no, then there's no confidence in that. So it's important to understand like why you're doing something so that you believe in your training and you have that confidence. Yeah, that's called <clears throat> it's called internalization. I, was, I only read like the first five pages of this science article on coach coach athlete relationship. But this was the last thing I read. It said research reveals that to support athletes autonomy Coaches need to provide a rationale for requested tasks as well as for limits and rules. Such a rationale facilitates the internalization of the underlying reasons for activity engagement, which is a big Mm -hmm. fancy way of saying athletes do better when they know why they're doing what they're doing. They can internalize it Mm -hmm. because like the the thing there is like, do we, okay, we're kind of like diving right into it, but I guess we're just going with it. Let's do it. Um, We're already a third into the podcast, so we should be diving into it. So a big (laughs) thing with the coach-athlete relationship is like external versus internal motivation. Like that's a part of the equation when you're talking about coaching. And a coach shouldn't, so there's, and then there's, so there's there's intrinsic motivation, which is just doing an activity because you like doing it. I think we'd all say we like riding bikes or we like running, but that's not usually enough to like get you to train super hard for years in and years out. Um, So there has to be some combination of both intrinsic and extrinsic, extrinsic motivation. And then there's two types of extrinsic. There's self-determined and non-self-determined and self-determined is, okay, I believe in this and I want to do this because I have these goals 
non-self-determined is a coach telling you to do something even though you don't really believe in it. Like like a good example is is a, a cyclist, their coach says to go to the gym and they just feel obligated to go to the gym. So they do it, but they don't really know why. They don't really believe in it themselves. They're just doing it out of a sense of obligation. That's That would be non-self-determined. Um, so anytime there's the the athlete is self-determined in their motivation, they're going to perform better. They're going to be more persistent. They're going to be more motivated. Um, all of those things are going to add up to just a better athlete in the big picture. So yeah, there was this really, yeah, there was this really cool study done. I'm sure you've mentioned it before, Drew, um, where there were a group of like kindergarteners who loved to draw and they were conducting this study where they attached, um, if, if they drew something, then they got a gold star. I don't remember if it, what exactly external reward it was, but it would just say it was a gold star. Then they said, we're going to take the gold stars away. And then they, the kids stopped drawing. And even the kids that liked drawing before this study started, like then they, they stopped drawing because they had attached their motivation to this external reward. So it's super important to not have <laughs> I hear Dylan's cat in the background. <laughs> it's like literally right here in my lap. Should I not have it in my lap for this <laughs> podcast recording? Funny. Um, what was I saying? So the external, it's important to not have all of your motivation attached to something external. So I don't know where I was going with that. There was a track. Yeah. Well, you were just, yeah. You mean you were just saying that it's important to have both and that's where, you know, coaches can come in because if, if you only have that intrinsic, you know, internal motivation, then <clears throat> eventually that's going to start to fade. There's going to be something that, that, you know, roadblock or hurdle that you come up against where that internal motivation just isn't quite enough to get you over it. Um, but at the same time, if, you know, for some reason, you know, if you, if you're leaning only on the external motivation that you're getting from your coach, you know, there might come a time where, you know, maybe you question your coach or maybe your coach is on vacation and you like have an important workout or something like you, you need to have both because otherwise, you know, one is going to burn out quicker than the other. Hey, Drew, you're back. Dang, I missed it about the kindergartens and the gold stars. Maybe. I was like so in tuned about that and then I lost power. So oh, yeah, it happens. you can listen back later. <laughs> Darn. Okay. Just how it's important to have not solely rely on external motivation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think so motivation is is probably one of the biggest reasons why people get a coach. Um, maybe they're they I, I hear a lot of people their reasoning for trying to hire a coach is, you know, obviously they want somebody prescribing good training to them, but part of it is that they just want accountability. They just want another person there to be held accountable to. Uh, so if they don't, if they don't do their training, they're not only letting themselves down, but they're letting another person down. So they feel like they got to do it. Uh, I hear that reasoning all the time from people. Yeah, that's human nature. I'm a coach and I can't coach myself. I know there are a lot of coaches that way, but y'all, I think it's funny. Dylan, Andrew, you coach yourself coached, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. My life's way too complicated for a coach to try to coach me. <laughs> there's no way. See, but that's like, like there is that's that angle, but then there's also the angle of like, if your life's real complicated, why don't you just take out one more thing that you have to be concerned about? And as long as you find a coach that you trust, then sometimes you can, it's just nice to wake up and see the workout and do it. And not have to think about it. Exactly. Brew, we, that is. Agreed. We should both coach each other. 
I'll coach I've you. You coach me. I definitely think you need a coach. I don't think I need a coach. My results are doing okay. You, on the other hand, you probably need a coach. <laughs> I had a one bad result this week. <laughs> all you talked about all year was that you overtrained, and I'm like, that's your fault because you got too no no no, no. You got that too was, amped that up about very, the lifetime was, series and overdid it. No, no, that was very <clears throat> specifically like the beginning of summer, and that's it. The rest of the year, I was fine. Yeah. Okay. Good. Anyways, um, yeah, I don't think it had anything. To yeah, anything. I was going to say that is the art of coaching, though. Mm, the that art. Is, it is our job to, yeah, it is our job to take the time that you have available for bike stuff and make the most efficient, effective use out of it. Yeah. Just agreed. I mean, I hear it all the time. Athletes are like, are bummed when their life gets hectic and they feel like, upset or ashamed of the amount of time that they have because they've hired a coach and i'm like whoa 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 like let's i mean this is exactly why you hired a coach so i yeah, think that's athletes, what makes uh, it fun and, go ahead adam oh yeah i was gonna say endurance sports are tricky too because oftentimes you don't see the results until much further down the timeline you know it's not like in the gym where you see immediate strength gains you know within a, mm. a week or two or three weeks um you know endurance training it can often take multiple seasons before you really start to see uh the the fruit come to the surface so you know it if you're if you're trying to coach yourself and you have a bad week or two or you have a few bad results you're going to start questioning everything and i see it all the time with with athletes who are trying to coach themselves or even using um you know training platforms that are pre-built uh you know workouts or training plans where if, if things don't go their way for a month or two, they just start rewriting the entire program. And and that can be really problematic because then you're not calculated in your approach. But if you have a coach, you know, who's kind of keeping you on track, they're going to be there for the external validation that, you know, things are still on track and, you know, still working towards the overarching goal. And that overarching goal might be, you know, one, two years down the line. It can be sometimes really hard to see, you know, that you're on that path when you're looking, you know, super acutely at, you know, immediate or, you know, near, near future results. Yeah. I had a coach describe it to me as yeah. like, you need somebody outside your little drew box to, uh, to give you like feedback. You're like, if I were to coach myself, I'm in my, I'm in this box and I only see things from this perspective inside this box. And I need somebody from outside the box to, to give me their point of view as well. I thought that was a good, a good analogy. I guess not good enough to actually hire a coach, but <clears throat> just kidding. <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, Drew, you're really not doing a very good job of selling coaching. If you feel like you don't even need a coach yourself. Um, no, nah, I just, I don't know. I don't <laughs> so know Drew, why I, think, I don't have, I think coach. for you, it's actually, I think you're, you're holding a little too much control over your own training. Cause mm -hmm. like you said that your life's too crazy. And I think what you're getting at is that it'd be hard for a coach to plan your training around your like availability and time schedule. Kind of. Yeah. But as coaches, that is our job. Right. Like I, I've, I've, you know, I've worked with athletes who have crazy work schedules, you know, that are completely inconsistent. And that's my job is to come in and figure out a way to work around that. Like Kaylin said, to optimize and, and maximize the time that they have available. Oh, this yeah. podcast just turned yeah, into I mean, I a, think that, uh, um, let's convince Drew to hire a coach. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Drew coach intervention. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. intervention. I mean, I saw, I like so I saw like pre-written 
not qualified to do what? To be on this podcast right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I so I was gonna say that I like I sell pre written training plans, and then and then obviously um, we have ignition, which is which is coaching. If somebody if somebody comes to me and they say, um, you know, like I want to follow one of your plans, but I've got this weird schedule where you know I I. I I have to work for three days straight and then I can ride for four days and, or whatever it is, their schedule is really weird. And it's like, can I make this plan work for me? It's like, well, you could, but in reality, I mean, wait, I think at that point with, uh, with such an unusual schedule, you probably want to step it up to a coach. And I think we could, we could potentially talk about that. Like at what point, because this is this is also a question that people have. Like, at what point do I need a coach? Um, you know, like I'm just I I've been cycling for a year. Like, am I really at the at the point that I need a coach? I mean, my first instinct is to say whenever you hit a plateau, if whatever you're doing right now isn't you're not seeing gains happening, then maybe you need to like mix it up somehow, and a coach could help you do that. That's like an easy answer mm-hmm. right off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would just say whenever, like, I think the sooner, I mean, the sooner, the better. Um, I think people like to upgrade their bike instead of (laughs) a lot of times upgrading their, their fitness or, Mm. or looking at seeking out a coach. Um, they're like Mm -hmm. looking at all these marginal gains that Dylan likes to talk about when the biggest thing is right in front of them and they can hire a coach and really step it up. When I talk to juniors about hiring a coach, I say, look, if you only have X amount of money to spend and you've got to choose between a coach and carbon wheels, get both. Hire a coach and then have the coach get you fast enough to where the team just gives you the carbon wheels. Oh, and then you, end up with, then you end up with both. <laughs> but just buying the carbon wheels, like that, that'll make you instantly two seconds faster. Hiring a coach will take a lot longer, but you're going to end up way faster in the long like grand scheme of things. Yeah. That's what I that's what I say about getting a power meter, but I, I would I would also apply that to getting a coach. Like if people ask me, should I get a power meter or should I I don't know upgrade my wheels or whatever mm. whatever other upgrade? I'm like getting some faster part will make your bike marginally faster, but getting a power meter and I think this could also apply to getting a coach will make you as a person significantly faster. And this kind of goes back to like motivation, you know, like. If you're if somebody's just trying to buy fast carbon wheels to make themselves go faster, that's that tells me that that person is trying to find shortcuts to get faster, and mm-hmm. and so that that tells me like maybe their motivation isn't high enough, you know, like or maybe their goals aren't aren't big enough or whatever. But somebody who realizes okay, this is a process. It's going to take like months and months and years and years of just training my tail off. Mm-hmm. Um, they realize okay it's a part of the, like the process is the, like my motivation, the process is a part of the motivation. I don't want to just skip the process. I want to like embrace the process because I realize that's going to get me to success. Yeah. And Caitlin brought up how like I'm such a marginal gains nerd and that's a hundred percent true. I do obsess about marginal gains, but I wouldn't obsess about marginal gains before obsessing about the the basics the fundamental maximal gains the maximal gains exactly yes like i'm i'm gonna try to optimize my training before i try to optimize every other small detail of my bike if that makes sense yeah yeah 
It wasn't totally. a dig, I so, promise. So if we go back to the if we go back to the topic, the coach athlete relationship, what is a so injury you kind of touched on this. What is a fundamental component of any relationship? Communication. Communication. And what is it that separates ignition from a lot of other coaching companies? We race. No, no. <laughs> you just said it. Communication. Oh, One thing that we do is w- with, with all of our coaches is we try very hard to not limit the amount of communication that our coaches have with mm. their athletes, which is something that a lot of other coaching companies, uh, you know, they implement certain restrictions. You know, you only get one 15 minute phone call a month and three emails and no texting and, you know, no weekend communication and, and so on. Um, and, and for us, I mean, something that we try and do is, is implement a kind of, you know, no restrictions communication mode. So, you know, if our athletes need anything, they can reach out to us as coaches and, and feel free and comfortable to ask those questions without saving that one email for, you know, something very specific, you know? So, yeah, I, and, and I think that really helps us build that relationship and build that trust. I can't stand that. When I was like doing research, when we were, when we were trying to launch ignition, I was looking at other coaching websites and seeing how they ran and and all that. And I came across so many websites that were like, they literally had, if you pay this much, this is how many texts you get per month. Oh, that's crazy. I'm like, are you kidding me? And emails only this map, this, this many calls. I'm like, look, if, if communication, so the, 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 the reason we communicate is to understand like that's why we communicate a coach and an athlete communicate with each other because we're trying to understand each other and in my mind the more i understand my athlete and the more they understand me the easier and the better it's going to be for the coaching process to happen if there's all these questions that are happening and all this like uh i don't know miscommunication or lack of understanding happening then that's not good coaching. So if you're going to limit communication, you're basically saying, well, I'm, I'm limiting understanding. And that to me is just a bad, I don't know. That just seems so counterintuitive to what coaching is that ever since me and Dylan started the company, we've always wanted it to be like unlimited communication. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is how we are as the coach, but it's important for the athlete to know, like it, it takes two in the relationship. Like we give you our cell number. We want you to use it. Like we don't want to just talk about training. We also want to know about, Hey, what's your life stress look like? You know, what's your schedule like these days, anything, any big events coming up in your life, like outside of training, outside of races, like what's going on, because that's important. And it definitely plays a role in how you're responding to different exercises and what we are going to program for you. So, so some Caitlin, athletes, can you, can you briefly touch on what are the different, like what, what is your communication with athletes on a daily, um, you know, daily and weekly schedule kind of look like, like what, what communication modalities do you mostly use? We, um, for me, I have a, a weekly call with all of my athletes. Um, most are on Mondays. Um, some, it just depends on their schedule. Um, but I'm always like, Hey, here's my number. Like, please, use it, you know, shoot me a text. Um, we use training peaks. So of course we'll utilize the the comments on there so they can comment after a workout and I'll see those comments and comment back, but primarily just through phone text. Do you guys do it the same? Yeah, I, I do a weekly call text, all of that. 
it's pretty much it's pretty much call and text. I don't I don't really have a athlete that emails me, although I have had that before. I don't do the weekly call. Drew does the cool video though. Yeah, yeah I do. Like I so I kind of supplement the weekly call with um, maybe we only maybe we only have a call uh, once or twice a month, but I do these like YouTube videos where. Um, where I pull up the like the specific athletes training peaks and walk through the the goal of the video is twofold. The first half of the video is I go back and analyze their previous training. So I'll pull up a couple of their key workouts and talk about their numbers and things they could have done better or things that they did well. I'll look at their heart rate, their power and just talk about it. It's not it's not scripted. It's just me pressing record and like opening up my brain to them is the way I think about it. Um because I think a lot of the, there's a lot of subtle things that coaches assume athletes understand and know. Um, and a lot of times athletes will text me and say, oh, I didn't even think about that. And I didn't even realize I said that in the video <laughs> because it was just something that I talked about without thinking about. And then the second half of the video, I'll explain to them why they're doing um, the, the upcoming block of training. So if I've already put in there the next two or three weeks of training, I'll explain here's Here's how many intervals you're doing. Here's how to do it. But here's why you're going to do these intervals too, because, you know, cycle across nights is only eight weeks away and we need to get ready. So, um, and I found those videos to be super helpful. Again, going back to the motivation, because now the athlete, if they've watched that video and that, and the day comes up and they have a really hard workout, they understand, Oh, I have to do this workout because of X, Y, and Z. Cause Drew told me, and I believe everything that he's telling me makes sense so they internalize it all and and i guess adopt it for themselves yeah so that's what i do yeah i mean i'm I'm kind of a little bit different from all of you guys i guess i i do use email a fair bit for some of that kind of you know explanation and um you know updates and better understanding Um, but i'm super active on training peaks like i probably talk with all of my athletes daily you know after each of their workouts and training peaks um, and then beyond that, I, I do for sure a one, once a month update call, um, unless it's like a local athlete that I, you know, will see on the regular. Um, and then I usually leave the rest of the communication kind of up to the athlete. Like I have some athletes who, or, you know, one athlete in particular who really only communicates with me via Instagram, he just like loves to, to follow me on Instagram and then shoot me messages on Instagram. And that's fine. Like, it's not my preferred method. I'd rather communicate over email or, or training peaks. But if Instagram works, that's fine. Um, I have other who prefer text over email. Maybe they're you know uh, they just you know don't have access to email all the time or something. Um, some people just call me if if they if they have a quick question. But I kind of leave that part open ended. But I usually make sure we get at least once a month of like a thirty to forty minute uh, you know video call to just update on, on general things. How's training been going? How's life going? What's the foreseeable future look like? Um, and kind of answer some of those more personal questions. Yeah, that, I do that too, where like, I kind of leave it up to the athlete. Whenever somebody signs up for coaching with me, I send them a link to uh, this website called a pointlet. And it, it's basically a, a link that they can use at any time to schedule a call with me. And it's nice. Cause it, it like, it'll drop it right into my Google calendar and, and sends me reminders and all that. So I'm only going to reach out to an athlete maybe once a month to have that, to have that check-in call. That's not the only communication like you said, but they could schedule those calls whenever they want to, cause they have that link to do that. So, um, like, you know, like Caitlin said, it's, it's, there's some responsibility on both ends for communication. So what about, 
this topic, you guys ever heard the phrase like buy-in? Mm-hmm. What do you guys think of when you hear that phrase like buy-in? It's like big in the strength and conditioning world instead of like <laughs> warm up, like the initial few movements they call the buy-in. Really? I've never heard it that Fun way. Fun fact. Wow. I, yep. I haven't heard it really? that way either. Yeah. So you do the buy-in before you get to the main workout? Yep. Yeah, I've never heard it. That is not at all what I thought you guys were about to say. <laughs> and now I don't know what's talk now that just ruins it all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> why is that? Why, why do you think they call it the buy-in at the beginning of the workout? Why don't they just call it the warm-up? So, I mean, I would say it's probably like once you've done the warm-up, you're kind of like buying into the fact that, all right, we're doing this workout today, right? So maybe yeah. there we that's go. Yeah. where they're coming from. Getting your mind space right, yeah. So buy-in and coaching is like really important too. It's not, again, I, you know, like I, earlier I said this blind faith in your coach and buy-in is like, you know, you're almost kind of, it's like the, almost the same thing, but buy-in is like to the the extent to which the athlete trusts and believes in their coach. You're like, we're only going to motivate an athlete to do workouts if they actually trust us that those workouts are going to help them, right? And that, you know, at the core of all that, I think is this this idea of buy-in, you know, uh, which is hard to do if, you know, if, if, a, if a athlete doesn't know the coach, if it's just a random coach that they've gotten assigned to. So hopefully that's another neat thing about Ignition um, is that all of our all of our coaches are racers. And so the athlete should be able to look at the coach's race results and their cycling career so, thus far. And that 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 idea of buy-in will start to happen because they're already thinking, wow, like if if Scott McGill is my coach and he just went to Road Worlds a month ago, that's pretty legit. I think I trust this guy. Like he must know what he's doing. So there is like a sense of that buy-in already kind of pre-created because most of our coaches are elite level racers. And that's 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 our goal. Um I think I think the fact that our coaches are racers is a good thing and not a bad thing. Um I think it makes them more relatable. I think it creates opportunity for athletes to meet and see their coaches like during a race. Like I had, I did this local gravel race, um, this summer in Indiana. And there was a guy in the race who was one of the first athletes to sign up for ignition. And he's been with us for over a year now. And he talked like we were in the same group the whole race and he's talking to me and he's talking about his coach. And I'm like, see, this is cool. Like I wouldn't have had that experience if I wasn't racing. If I was just a coach on the sidelines, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got that. So that's pretty cool. I, I like, I like that. And I think it's a benefit of our company. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's also important to point out the flip side and say, yes, we all race, but we're a collective of like racers that really value continued education because just because you're a racer, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to make you a good coach. Yeah, plenty of other, uh, experiences of people that have like said, oh, this guy's a pro like i'm gonna get coached by him and it's it's awful um but we've been you know we go through these trainings a lot of us have i think a couple of us have degrees in exercise science and um yeah value true evidence-based science-based coaching methods so yeah completely agree yep um anything else i talked about there's i feel like there's so much more what else is there I know. We well, talked we're, about. We're at 36 <laughs> minutes. Weren't we trying to keep these to these 30 These things minutes? are too short now. <laughs> I said 30 to 45 minutes. I think that's fair. Oh, okay. If if we leave it 
on a you know a little open ended, then maybe we'll get some more questions emailed in. How about this? What what makes in your all's opinion what makes a good coach? Someone who looks at the the whole picture, like takes a. I always say I like to take a holistic approach to mm-hmm. coaching. You know, the sleep matters, the nutrition matters, your outside life stress, all of that super important and all needs to be taken into account. Yeah, I, I would agree um, I, with that. I think, I think consistency and confidence are two, you know, quality attributes of a, of a good coach, a coach who's kind of there, who's consistent, communicating in a, you know, consistent method. Um, you know, they're reliable. So you can, you know, you kind of know that, um, you know, they're going to, they're going to come through with, you know, with what they say, but then also having confidence as a coach, I think is really important so that you're not that coach who's, you know, going out and, you know, updating someone's plan every two weeks and changing everything and redirecting course. Like if you're confident in, in, you know, your, your methods, then uh, I think that also instills trust in the athlete too. Um, You should add one more, the word curious. Confident, consistent, curious. <laughs> that, that's an Andrew Jeanette special. He, yeah, he was the curious guy. Yes, I like that. I remember three, that. Three C's. Yep, three C's. I like that. Adam's three C's of coaching. Even though, <laughs> even though I just made him adopt curious as one of the C's. I'll take it. <laughs> uh, I like what Caitlin said when I when I did my precision nutrition like certification. One of the biggest things I took away from that was this idea of deep health. And it was like, you're not just looking at a, an athlete performance. It's like, you have to look at the whole picture of, you know, their environment, like where they're living, their life stress, their career, their life circumstances, like all of that is a part of who that athlete is. And if you, if you segment, or if you just focus on just the physical part, you kind of miss out on all those other things. And it's all you can't do that to a person. You can't like, you can't segment their, you know, segment them into all these different boxes. Like the athlete is also a dad and the athlete is also a nurse and the athlete is also, you know, uh, fill in the blank. So you kind of have to adopt that. They called it a deep health perspective. And I don't know why I just thought about this, but, uh, you know, there's a level of honesty there too that needs to come from the coach because, a good coach is going to say, Hey, I think you need to sacrifice this upcoming race for the greater good of the the whole season plan. Whereas another coach might just say, all right, I'm going to get you ready for this one. And you know, it could be, I think, digging. I think honesty is huge. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. I mean like, and I, but, but honesty to the point where like the athlete isn't afraid to say something like, I don't want to just say things that are going to make my athlete happier. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they're hiring me for them to perform better, I need to tell them with honesty what's going to perform better, even if they don't want to hear it, which sometimes it's hard. Like to talk about people's weaknesses is is not an enjoyable part of coaching, but an essential part of coaching that has to happen. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely like there takes some maturity and seriousness that comes with that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I think we should uh, I think we should wrap it there. It was All a right. good discussion. Sweet. Any other final topics, conclusions? I mean, if you haven't concluded thus far into this podcast, I'll just tell you, you need to hire an ignition coach. That's basically <laughs> what the entire podcast has been directing you towards if you're listening to it right True. now. True. You were very <laughs> convincing of that when you talked about how you yeah. don't want to coach. 
Once I'm done mixing this, I'm going to send it to you first. Technically, I am an ignition coach, and I coach myself. And so I am doing exactly what I'm telling everybody else to do. Hire an ignition coach. Loophole. Mm. Loophole. (laughs) I like, I don't know. I like coaching myself, but. um, Just selling it. Selling Dylan, selling. I would I would let you coach me if you let me coach you. <laughs> okay. I feel like somebody needs to referee that relationship. I don't know. <laughs> we, we just end up trying to sabotage, sabotage each other. Sabotage. <laughs> Why would we sabotage each other? We don't uh, even race each other. I don't know, man. With all these YouTube subscribers I'm getting, I'm probably going to get into the Lifetime series next year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, not sure. going to apply. Yeah. <sighs> all right. Well, thanks for listening. This has been send another... Send us your questions. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. Questions. You can send questions to info at ignitioncoachco.com or you can Instagram any of us. I don't think we have a matchbox. Instagram. Just, send a, just send an Instagram DM to the Ignition Coach Co. Oh, yeah, Instagram yeah. page. Ignition Coach Co. Perfect. Follow us on Instagram, Ignition Coach Co., and just message us there. That'll work. Cool. Sweet. Thanks for listening. See ya. See you guys. All right, folks, thanks for tuning in for the latest episode of the Matchbox Podcast. Like I said at the beginning, you can send any questions or topic suggestions to info at ignitioncoachco.com with email titled the Matchbox Podcast. Links to each of our social media pages can be found in the show notes. Tune in next week for another endurance training-related discussion and learn about how you can find that extra match for your next big event. Catch you all soon. Let's go! (laughs) 